Welcome to a talk from St Saviour's Sunbury. We hope that it blesses you. My name's Rowena and I look after evangelism and discipleship and mission here at St Saviour's, which is, sounds like quite a lot because it is. Um, but we're getting there. We're doing it. So as you can see, that video, every time I look at it, I well up. I don't know what it is about that video. Stephen did such a good job with um, Stuart, and it's just, it gets me, and I think it's because it's just where we're going, it's we're doing it, and yeah, I haven't written that down. That's not good. We've started with words that aren't written down. But today, we're talking about our vision and values again, and we're focusing on the relevance part. And the biggest part of the relevance bit, I don't know whether you saw it, says, we believe the gospel is one of the most important, is the most important message anyone can hear. The gospel is the most important message anyone can hear. And our reading today is Philippians 2. Who's got their Bibles? Yay. If you haven't, put your hand up and they'll run down and, and throw one at you now. Don't worry. Put your hand, wave them so they can see you. So if you turn to Philippians 2, verse 14 to 16, it says... Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. And I think there's two parts to that Bible verse. The first part is a bit where it says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Well, I don't know about you, but that's going to take me a lifetime. It's like, I'm sure you'll be very surprised to learn that I'm a passionate person. I know. Who knew? I hide it well, don't I? Those that know me are going, seriously? Okay, whatever. So with that passion, sometimes comes, well, irritation. And it's irritation dressed up as passion, or irritation on steroids, if you like. So the challenge to do everything without complaining or grumbling, it's like, seriously? But God, I'm married. <laughs> but God, I'm married to a vicar. But God, I find myself annoying. But God, they're annoying. But God, I'm depressed. And what does God whisper back to me every time? Just try and be more Christ-like. You can follow the world, which is just described as warped and crooked, or you can follow me. And every time you open your mouth, you make that choice in that moment. Okay, so no pressure, God. But if we go back a couple of lines in that reading, because you've all still got your Bibles out, because you're super holy, it says, work hard to show the results of your, your salvation, obeying God with a deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Oh, okay. So to do things without grumbling, we need to work hard at seeking him and staying in relationship with him. Obey him, remember our salvation, and allow God to work in us. And then he will give us the desire and power to do what pleases him, which is to do everything without grumbling and moaning. 
So he doesn't mean become super holy and superhuman and quite frankly fake. He's acknowledging that it's him that will do this through us. He wants us to be authentically his in the world he has placed us to be in, to shine and be different. But to do that, we have to stay close to him. Because the worldly response to all those things I just listed earlier is, uh, is responding to our feelings, isn't it? It's that like sort of American thing of, you know, they're my feelings, man, and they're like valid and need to be like totally, totally owned and you all need to know about them because I'm going to tell you whether it's annoying or hurts you or not, I'm telling you. And it's like, as followers of Christ, that's not really what we're called to be or do, is it? For us to be relevant in the world we are, to be different. Otherwise, what's the point? However, the world is telling us something different. The world is saying our faith is outdated. It's irrelevant. And sometimes it's even dangerous. And for us to be relevant, well, we've got to change the gospel. We've got to water it down. I mean, come on, you've got to keep up with the times. The world is moving on, you know. How many times have you heard that? It's true, isn't it? Carl's nodding away at me. Thank you, Carl. I've heard it a lot. The world will repeatedly tell you that the Bible, the Word of God, is outdated and not relevant. And I'm going to tell you right now, that is a lie. It's in red on my paper. That is a lie. A lie to keep us from the glorious truth of his love and salvation. I have never read a book more relevant for the Babylonian world we live in today in my entire life. Never. And I'll give you an example. We went to Italy last year in May, and I was really looking forward to seeing that famous church in Venice. Can't remember its name, it's that famous. What? Yeah, that. There, yeah, big church. And we had to queue up in what felt like 40,000 degree heat to me when my daughter went, no, it's just mildly hot, mum whatever, wait till you're this age. And when we got in, they said you can't come in. So all the women in the group couldn't come in. Do you want to know why? Because we had shorts on. I'm a menopausal woman, love. What do you expect me to be wearing in this heat? They were rude and told us to move out the way. I was like, can you imagine me in that situation? I can't speak Italian, but I think they gathered what I was trying to say. I was like, what? This church was built for worship. Jesus doesn't care what I look like. How can you reject people? How can you reject them? That might be their only experience of church and you rejected them because of what they're wearing. They had turned God's house into a tourist attraction. Now that is conforming to the world. That is moving with the times, and that is not okay. I was proper annoyed. Also, this week, I was at an evangelist conference. <laughs> that was my face. There were only 200 people there, and I was very overwhelmed. It's the closest thing I've been to an extrovert's conference. I was the most introverted person there. 
Now, that was quite a big laugh. I really, really was. I know, just that's where I was. People were just shouting out willy-nilly. I love that word, willy-nilly. So someone's speaking, and I'm going, ah, I'm scared. I'm also British and a bit deaf. Could you just shush? I can't hear her speaking. Over all these, yeah, preach it, sister. Yeah. And I was like, but their passion was there for the gospel, man. Yes. So feel free to do that in our church. Also, by the way, yeah, there you go. Thanks, Nisha. Yeah. Amen. We'd only been there two minutes, and a man came up to me and said, I've got a word of God for you. I'm like, what have I done wrong? I've only been here two minutes. How could I possibly have done anything wrong? He said, it's your red boots. <laughs> I have my red boots on, comfort boots. And he told me my red boots were very distinctive, and that he felt God was going to do something distinctive with me in the next couple of days, and significant. I went, well, you better be quick. I'm only here for today. Don't think that's supposed to be your response. Then he prayed for me. I wasn't freaked out at all. Anyway, it was Christine Kane speaking, not me, luckily. And she said, told, I mean, she was amazing, but she told this story that really reminded me of a story I told you a lot recently. She said she'd recently posted a photo of her new haircut on Facebook. Do you remember my whole rant about food pictures on Facebook? Is it coming flooding back to you, food, Facebook? She said 13,000 people clicked like for her new haircut. Man, that must have been a good haircut. The next day, she posted that 650 youngsters had given their life to Jesus. How amazing is that? 235 likes. I'm just going to leave that with you. 13,000 likes for a new haircut. 235 likes for 650 kids giving their life to Jesus. That offends me. Does it offend it? Remember the mop? Do you remember the mop? The man in stains, big crowd, the mop. People telling about Jesus, don't care, shut up, you're being too loud and annoying my customers. We live in a world where the world thinks a new haircut is worth celebrating more than 650 kids being saved. That's not us being relevant. That is us absorbing ourselves to the things of the world. Where's the joy of our salvation? Where's the joy of their salvation? Which brings us to the second part of the verse. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So there's the how. That's the how we do this. Hold firmly to the word of life. What's the word of life? Where do we find the word of life? I'm actually asking you. In the Bible. The Bible is described as the word of life. The word of life. And in one of my readings this week, it said, do you know that less than 30% of Christians read their Bible every day? That means 70% look for the answers in the wrong place. Well, that was me. My default was set to the world. After 34 years of not knowing him, why wouldn't it be? And our world is described, I'm doing this Bible study at the moment with Beth Moore. It's been full on, but she's good. And Beth Moore says that we live in a modern day Babylon and we need to develop 
alarms for Babylon's charms. Now, I'm sorry, it sounds way better when she says it. I need to develop alarms for... Ba- that was Irish. What was that about? She's American. I'm not going to do it, but it sounds better in American accent. You need to develop alarms for Babylon charms. And transforming those worldly defaults to godly defaults is not easy. Some days doing that feels like I'm trying to turn the Titanic round whilst it's sinking. And I've made a choice now, though. I've made a choice that no more will I be driven by the world and what it thinks of me. What the world thinks is the right thing to do. And it's a choice for each and every one of us. Do we choose to work hard at deepening our relationship with God or be distracted by the temporary charms of the world? Because the enemy has ingrained a lie in us that reading the Bible is hard work, it's boring, and it's only for super holy swats. That, too, is a lie. Total lie. I am living proof of that. When we went back to Devon last year to deliver an Esther day at our previous church, they stood up at the end to thank me, and they announced that they didn't recognize me. It was a bit awkward. I was like, you wait till the end to tell me that. It's like an imposter had turned up. But they said they didn't recognize me, that I'd returned a different person. And they actually shed a tear and tried to encourage me onwards. The only thing that had changed since then and going back was that I'd started to read my Bible every day. They said I was lit up inside. Shine among them like stars as you hold firm to the word of life. Do you remember the three-week prayer challenge? Do you remember we did it? Who did it? Awkward. Who did it? Well done. All me and Rachel, apparently, are the only people, and I know that's a lie because some of you have come and told me you did it, but don't put your hand up, whatever. Put your internal hand up. That's fine. Helpful. Well, me and Rachel did the three-week chat. Ron didn't even put his hand up. Thanks, babe. And I know he did it. Preached sister, yeah, thanks. Good save, not. Well, some of us did the three-week prayer challenge, a bit more vocally than others, and it wasn't easy, was it? It's not easy. But for me, I started to pray for wisdom. I cannot think why. I learned last year that wisdom is not based on experience, age, knowledge, or academic prowess. Wisdom is God-given. True wisdom comes from God. Now, funnily enough, I don't have much of that. I discovered I have a lot of opinions, lots of experience, not in a good way, a little bit of knowledge, no academic prowess whatsoever, but I scored well in the age part. (laughs) Now, you might have all known that wisdom was this God-given thing, but I didn't. So for the last few months, I've been praying for wisdom, discernment, and prophetic gift. Now, clearly, you can see I've turned into Abraham. (laughs) Or maybe it's just the beard. So did I suddenly become wise overnight? No, I didn't. Of course I didn't. But what started is a burning thirst for God's word and to go deeper into knowing him that I just didn't have before. I didn't have that before. What else did I do? I started a Bible study on wisdom that's going to take me through the whole of the next year. I've started a Bible study on Daniel. I've gone a bit large, haven't I? I've gone from nothing to like everything. I'm doing like four at once. 
Because a very wise person sent me my worst message ever. It's my favorite message to get. God's told me to buy you a book. Oh, goody, thanks. She's really wise and godly vicar's wife. And so I was like, okay, she didn't tell me what the book was. When it arrived, it was a study of Daniel. And I smiled to myself. Because what she didn't know is I've had Daniel spoken over me a couple of times. One of them, my you. And the two people who are three people that have spoken this over me don't know each other. And they all told me the exact same picture, the exact same thing. So God clearly wants me to do and learn about Daniel because I want to be a Daniel. So I'm doing that. And it's awesome, but it's hard, proper hard. It's very time consuming and overwhelming. But I absolutely believe it will lead me to have more wisdom, deeper roots, and more light in me. And that, in turn, will enable me to live true relevance to the world and prevent me from joining its fake and very loud relevance that it peddles. Our value of relevance also talks about meeting the needs of people, whether they're emotional, physical, or spiritual. So that's our display of God's love, if you like. Football fun, the food bank, the community lunch, the community recovery group, breakout, our pastoral care, all of this kind of stuff. All these ministries are meeting people where they are and aiming to help them. But we don't do them because we're nice people. Because quite frankly, in my case, I'm not a very nice person sometimes. We do these things in the name of Jesus. He is the reason we feed we weep with, we listen to, we walk alongside. We do it because of his love, his life. It's not for our glory, it's for his. So don't confuse nice deeds with being relevant. The gospel is the greatest message we can give someone, and it's as relevant today as it was when it was first spoken. The world has not actually changed that much either. We're still destroying each other. We're still allowing abject poverty to be right side by side with ridiculous wealth. We still judge each other. We still worship money instead of God. So let's make St. Saviour's a place of difference, where his light really shines and where his word is a lamp unto our feet. Because that way, people will see the lighthouse, the hospital that salvation is, not a tourist attraction. And they will run towards it barefoot and eager to learn more, like me and Ron did. And lives will be radically transformed in the love and power of Jesus. And I don't think it's a surprise that the passage ends, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. I want all of you to share that joy Yes, you should rejoice and share your joy. The other day I posted about church being a hospital. It wasn't mine, I stole it from Nicky Gumbel, obviously, because he's like super great. But everyone thought, I think everyone thought it was me. Anyone that knows me knows I'm not creative enough to actually make those words look that pretty in the box. But I stole it from him because I loved what it said. And my auntie in Australia responded. Some of you saw her response, and she's not a Christian. And as far as I could tell, she's probably the exact opposite. Her only comment was she had a problem with churches. She said, they all think they're the only ones who are right, and many roads lead to the same conclusion. Hashtag awkward. That's my family. It's like, oh. So I was like, I had to make a decision. I'm like, oh, do I leave her in that big fat lie? Or 
because I know she's not going to listen to me because I have had these conversations, or do I do the scary yet loving thing and tell her the truth? So this is what I said. Auntie Pauline, Jesus is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You will find him in Christian churches. As my auntie, I love you and pray one day you will come to know how much he loves you and is relentlessly pursuing a relationship with you. My calling as a Christian is to make sure you know that. What you choose to do with that is between you and him. I don't ever want you to say, but nobody told me. Remember the church is the people and people make mistakes. They don't always say the right thing or do the right thing. I know I don't. But God's love for you is perfect and unlike anything you will ever experience in the world. And I pray you will receive it with love. And then I pressed send and went. This was her response. Hi, Ro. You know I love you dearly and all the family. Nothing will change that. We are all different and this is what makes life interesting. Keep doing what you are doing, especially your Esther ministry. I do admire your strong faith and desire to help others. I do have my own strong beliefs and probably won't change, but that's okay. We all make choices and sometimes we change them. All I can hope is life is good for us all in 2018. I told her, it's not my responsibility to know what she's gonna do with that. But she didn't laugh, she didn't bur- neither of us burst into flames. She didn't disown me. She saw God's love in that response. And that is our relevance today. His love in the pit of despair, pain and suffering. A seed planted, ready to be watered by you or someone else. So I'm going to finish with more words from Christine Kane. When she was 33, she found out she was adopted, totally out of the blue. Her new birth certificate said, unnamed. She'd been unable to find out who her parents are. The only thing she can find out is the paperwork says, unwanted. She was told, at the same time, she was unqualified. This is the government that told her this. For the work she'd been doing for Jesus with youth for 20 years. Unnamed, unwanted, unqualified. That's how she was defined by the world. But she said she picked up her Bible in her other hand and said the Bible has taught her the truth. The Bible has taught her the truth. From the womb of your mother... I have named your name. God wanted her. God named her. And God called her. Stay in the truth of his word. And that is how we will be truly relevant today in this world. Amen? Now, it's not that easy. (laughs) now what am I going to make you do? (laughs) So, you know, we did it, well, apparently me and Rachel did a three-week prayer challenge. Well done, Rachel. We're going to do a three-week Bible challenge. Every day, I want you to read your Bible. Now, for me, I've had to give up sleep to do this, so I get up early, and I read before anyone else gets up. And I started with, God, I'll just do five minutes. And within like three months, I was there for 45 minutes going, stop interrupting me. I was like, oh, what's happened to me? So if he can do this with me, he can do this with you. Who is going to join me in the three-week Bible challenge? Yay! Oh, that was a bit loud, sorry. (laughs) 
That's amazing. So every day, just start in Matthew. Start with a Bible study. We have um, the words for the day at the back. That will give you the Bible readings you could do every day. Do that. I don't care how you do it. If you don't know how to do it, come and ask me and I'll help you. But just get up and read the Bible every day. And at the end of the three weeks, come and share with us whether you've noticed any difference in you, your world, your faith, anything. Are we in? Yes, I saw lots of hands. Right, here's to the next three weeks in this book, which is the truth, and will set you free and keep you on that straight and narrow path. Yes? For more information about St. Saviour's, please visit our website at www.stsaviorsunbury.org.uk.